Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia Agnello, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Watch Hacks, streaming exclusively on Max, and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with a king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Hi, I'm Vanessa Bayer, and this is my brother, Jonah. We're two siblings who love to talk about our childhood and nostalgia and how it shaped us into the people we are today. Who are pretty awesome, great job, if I do say so myself. Welcome to How Did We Get Weird. So Jonah, I thought to start off, we have such a fun guest today, and I thought that we should start off this podcast with a really fun story from growing up that is absolutely one of my favorite stories from when we were kids. Do you want to hear it? Yeah, let's hear it. Okay. One time we stayed at this hotel in Florida, or we were flying to Florida and we got stuck because there was a hurricane. I don't know. Anyways, we ended up having this unexpected free stayover at a hotel somewhere with our family. And everything was really impromptu. We were just doing whatever the hell we wanted. And we decided to order in chicken wings to our room from room service. And that was very fun. And so so mom ordered the chicken wings and we're all in this room. And I'm going to say that you and I were like 11 and 13 maybe. Older so like, than you would think based on what happens next. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so as soon as the delivery guy got to the door, the room service delivery guy, you and I were like, we should, <laughs> we should hide from him. So we go to, <laughs> so and this is go... before punked, before all those reality shows where people are just you, pranking each other. If you can believe it. Yeah. So we go to the back of the room behind like both of the double beds and we just lie down so you can't see us from the door. Okay. So the delivery guy comes in, he knocks on the door and mom answers the door. 
And then she doesn't have her purse on her because her purse, and this is where we really, things really went wrong. <laughs> Sorry. Her purse is behind the bed. Her purse was back behind, right. like on the table that was behind the bed. Sure. So she says to the delivery guy, come on in. I just have to grab my purse. So he comes back to the back of the room where, where these two kids are hiding and they're not as we said they're not really kids they're kind of more preteen slash teenagers young adults maybe so, almost yeah so you might think oh maybe they're just like taking a nap or maybe they're just like chilling back here but mom says to us oh i forgot you two were hiding so <laughs> looked at us like these are teenagers these they're too yeah. old to be hiding from us he accepted the money you know he dropped it off the chicken wings and i've never i think it's the most embarrassed i've ever been in my life because we were hiding we were too old to be hiding and there's nothing else we could have said we were doing because mom said oh i forgot you two were hiding yeah yeah, and I still have that urge whenever I get food delivered as an adult. I'm able to resist it, but who... That, yeah, to hide? Get away. Yeah, it's a, I, yeah I, I, I don't like that whole social yeah. thing. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. anyways, let's let's get into our guest. Let's, <laughs> let's hear what, what he's got to say okay. about this timeless story. Okay. Our guest today is a supremely talented comedian, writer, director, actor, and musician who you may know from the comedy duo Tim and Eric, and he's also appeared in films such as Bridesmaids and Us, or you might know him from co-hosting the web series on Cinema or the Colin Show Office Hours Live. Plus, you can see him on his Two Tim Summer Tour starting in late July. Please welcome Tim Heidecker. Thanks for having me, and I enjoyed that story, and I could relate to it. <laughs> yeah, feel, how do you relate to you. it? It just seems like something I might have done. I yeah. would have been that kind of kid. It's really fun to hide from people, isn't it? Yeah. I have two kids and hide and seek is an early game that becomes, you know, something to do. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> totally. I don't know why. When you've ordered stuff in the past, have you ever hidden from like a delivery person? I don't think I've done I no, I've never done that. Yeah. I do think like there in my adolescence and even into college, the the idea of fucking with service people <laughs> was just, yeah, that's what you did. That was like how you entertained your friends. And now I feel very bad because then I became a service person. I was a waiter and I, I would never, I would I feel terrible that I would do that stuff. It was innocuous things. It wasn't torturous. It was just, you know, like, I don't know. It, I couldn't even tell you an example, but um I'm a great guest. I have good stuff. <laughs> uh, what, like, what, era, what, what type of place were you a waiter at? Like, what era was this? Right after college. I w well, in, in high school, I was a busboy at a, like a family restaurant and a dishwasher in a family restaurant. And then after college, I became a full-on waiter in a creperie in Philadelphia. Very nice. Oh, very, very nice place. French. Yeah. Very, now, as French as you can be. <laughs> I went to college in Philadelphia, and there was a crepe stand. Oh, it was not that a was stand. It was very popular. It was not a stand. Why no, are, was, I wonder why <laughs> crepes are so big in Philadelphia. It was a place called La Poubelle, and it was right oh. off of uh, South Street. Where, where, where in Philly were you? I was at Penn, so we were like oh, in the... yeah, you were on the other side of town. You would never have come. But we would have gone to South Street for dinner sometime. You know, like we would... This place was great. I felt very much at home there. The place had just opened... When I got, I was the first round of hire, hiring, wow. you know, and it was these two guys, two gay guys who were a couple and they started this restaurant and they had never opened a restaurant before. The one guy was a, the manager, the, the front of house guy was a filmmaker and, and into art. And this, and the chef was also an artist, like a fine artist. 
and they decided to open this crepery and they were the greatest guys and they created this little family of of servers and cooks and you know wow it was very sweet it's very good good time that's amazing i mean tim what was your vibe like as a waiter like obviously you're such a funny stand up comedian would you yeah. kind of talk to the customers what would yeah i was very good interfacing with the diners i was very bad at organizing where I was at in the night with the different tables and the orders. Mm-hmm. And I got easily overwhelmed, easily, in, yeah. as they say, in the weeds. Not very good organizationally. And that led to, as, as charming as I could be, or as sort of funny and pleasant as an actor, I guess you could say, that didn't win over anybody when their food was 20 minutes late. You know what I mean? Sure. There's right, only so right, much right. charm you can, you can slather on those crepes. <laughs> those cold <Right>. crepes. <laughs> By the way, were you into a sweeter crepe or a more savory well, this, crepe? This, this crepe restaurant, I call them crepes. This, uh, this restaurant offered the savory and the sweet. I mean, you can't yeah. just have a, rest, you can't have a restaurant if it's just the sweet stuff. That's right. Right. So they did the full, uh, the, the buckwheat crepes was their, what they were known for. They would do these buckwheat crepes with, you know, chicken and coquevon and all sorts of in, uh, shrimp and tom- delicious. And then, so I, lo- I loved them. Uh, I loved them all. Yeah. Ate a lot of crepes. Now, I guess a dessert crepe is called a galette. No, it's called a something else. It's called a crepe. <laughs> I think it has a different name. I've never name. heard. No, I, well, I, they didn't, they didn't. There was, you know, it's funny. There was this. One chef in the kitchen who was French, and he was like a classic kind of, you know, like like a, like a cartoon French, French character. Yeah. And he was so bitter and dismissive of the idea that crepes, so these people come here, they think they're eating fine dining, but crepe is like a, it is a street food. It is, you know, it's like, it's yeah. stupid. They're making a big deal of, of crepe. <laughs> <laughs> just so I didn't realize that I, it is true. It's like you know, it's it's like a hot dog in France. Again, as I we had a cart, a crepe cart on our campus at school, and they were, you know, I don't know if it's politically correct to say this anymore, but people would compare them to in Seinfeld the Soup Nazi because uh. they were so mean. And if you ordered a crepe and you like for one second didn't know what you wanted they were like get out of line yeah you know like they were so like it was like i don't i just want if this is like a french i gotta say, interrupt you there and say you <laughs> you spent a lot of time on snl yeah let's just talk about my french accent versus yours i think i killed it i <laughs> yeah well, i, I you didn't know even what else? know i had it did you know this i was a french major in college and i spent a un semestre in yeah, well, <laughs> paris <laughs> yeah did you okay. know that? And and still, and yet. But yet, you still yeah. can't do what I'm able. My is better. It's incredible. I didn't know I had it, honestly. And here we are. You know, I'm more of a purist. Like probably my French accent is better in French, if that makes sense. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Fair enough. But yeah, j'ai étudié à la France, a j'adore la France. Mm. Oh yes. A too late. Vanessa's good at French. She, she, she tutored me in French and I was two years older. So she's definitely better in high than school. Me. Yeah. I in tutored school, Jonah yeah. and I were in the same French class one year. And we've talked about it, it gave me a lot of cred because people are like, oh, Vanessa's cool older brother is in French class with her. Even though he's older than all the other kids. <laughs> well, not all the other kids, but probably, you know, a, a good person. Anyway, as I like to say <laughs> on my show, anyway. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to ask you about music. Like, what kind of music were you kind of into? Getting back to those adolescent years where Vanessa was tutoring me, what what kind of stuff were you were you gravitating towards? Like, 
Neil Young, Grateful Dead type stuff, or was that later? What was sort of your entry points into well, music? Well, when are we talking? Like high school? You're talking like high school, yeah. High school, yeah. I think there was this, uh, in like eighth, ninth grade, I got into the Beatles big time. Like I got, like a, the way kids might get into video games or Star Wars or something. Like that was my hobby, almost, you know, learning about them and reading books and watching the movies and stuff. So that is like the best gateway into other music. Or I don't know, it's not the best. It is a gateway into a genre of music. And my dad was a big lover of classic rock. And so he had, you know, tapes and, and records of, of Pink Floyd and Led Zeppelin and all that stuff. So I was really like primed and into that stuff going into high school. That was sort of my thing. And then in high school, I really... I kind of dabbled in sort of like the jam band world a little bit. Like, didn't really listen to Fish, but I went to a Fish concert. And what else? The, like, yeah, I mean, some embarrassing stuff. I didn't really like... All my friends were into, like, hardcore and punk and metal and stuff, and I, I never really liked that stuff. Tell me about it. Yeah, Jenna was really into that stuff. Okay, go ahead. Sorry. It just was... You know what it did? It made me like... like I would drive around in, this, in the backseat of this kid's Jeep, and he would listen to these hardcore tapes and it would make me sleepy. <laughs> I couldn't understand what they were saying. It was like, and then like towards the end of high school, I found pavement and some, and sort of the Matador records crop of music that was felt more connected to like the Beatles and the kinks and British rock. So I found my little, like, I felt, oh, cool. I can like music that's happening right now. That's not mm -hmm, from mm -hmm. 40 years ago. Did you ever get into one of my all-time favorites who are on Matador, briefly that era, uh, Silkworm? Not, no. I know the group, but uh, yeah. my bands on, on Matador at the time would have been Pavement, Yola Tango, John Spencer Blues Explosion, and Guided by Voices. I was very okay. into Guided by Voices. Yes. Awesome. Um, can I just, I don't mean to take us off subject. No, please. But do you know how silkworms actually work? They shit silk? I don't know. They like make <laughs> silk, but it, it, yeah, they kind of do. But then I'm like, is all silk made by silkworms? And I think the answer is no. Like, I think that's, this is something that every ah. few years I start to think about and I never research it or I, maybe I have before, but I don't, I'm sure any member of that band would know the answer to this because it would be really insane for them up. to name themselves that and not know the answer. Well, but they like, probably have synthetic silk, right? That's like, what I think. But yeah. silk in general is pretty expensive compared to other materials. I don't, again, I don't mean to take a topic, but I just wonder like, did silk used to only be made by silkworms and that made it expensive. And now if you buy other silk stuff that's synthetic, you're still paying the same price. Ah, yeah. I don't know. Well, definitely something for the internet to figure out for us. <laughs> yeah, 100%. We can keep uh, theorizing, but I'm just... That's right. That's right. It's just something that I, my brain gets stuck on every few years and yet never have looked I it like up. when people go, actually, like my wife, I'm sure I, we all do this. I think actually what it is, and you're like, why are you thinking like this? There's a definitive answer to this that yeah. is literally right here. Like yeah. we can At our totally find out in three seconds. It's not, yeah. I mean, it kind of ruins, you know, the, the art of conversation, I guess. But yeah. Silk is produced from cocoons. Okay, our producer Olivia said, Silk is produced from cocoons spun by the Bombyx mori species of the silkworm, typically reared on mulberry leaves. 
This highly lucrative fiber is traded internationally, but accounts for a relatively small proportion of total fiber use, while the preferred silks comprise of an even smaller share. Hmm. Okay, so I think this is what people are talking about when they talk about getting the finest silks. Right. I was reading that with you and then I zoned out. <laughs> no. Yeah, it's hard to it's hard even when you're reading it to really process it. It's it is pretty pretty boring. If this makes it into the podcast, then good because people need to know. Tim, I'm asking sort of about this era because I've been listening to your new record, which is High School, which is great, and also the live album, which I think just came out. Yes. And it seems like some of these songs, like like Buddy, are kind of about maybe that era. Is that an era you find yourself kind of revisiting with your own music? Was that formative to you? How do you, how do you kind of think back on that time? I didn't think about that time at all uh, for a long time, uh, consciously or sort of intentionally. It, Really until I started writing that song, and then that song kind of came out of nowhere. I think a lot of the stuff I do, I mean, I don't know if this is true with everybody, but like you don't really sit down to do something. You're just doing, you know, writing something or comes out subconsciously or naturally. And then that sort of informs what you're going to do next or what you want to keep doing. So, yeah, I was singing, I call my son, buddy, you know, like, hey, buddy, get over here get over here, you son of a, you know, and I'm yelling at him, <laughs> buddy, hey! But so I was just thinking, buddy, you know, and but then I started thinking about some friends of mine who had died who was, were my age, and I don't know, it just kind of triggered some reflecting on my teenage years, which I hadn't thought about in a while, or just more thinking than you usually do. Like, what was I into? What did I want to be? What was I... Because everything, like the public persona that I've put out there for many years kind of begins with Tim and Eric. And there was this other person back in, you know, the 90s who was into all sorts of other things. And I just, yeah, I spent, I used that record to kind of explore that past. And it didn't find, there's nothing dramatic about it. It's not like I couldn't write a, a best-selling memoir about that period because I wasn't, you know, abused or anything <laughs> it was pretty like it was good it was a good period of my life you know yeah but i think when you you know you have to have some distance to make it not feel like embarrassing like i can look fondly at those times and not be embarrassed by who i was yeah i read this book called like this is your brain on music and it's about how we're forming these synapses during that era and that's why the, the music we love during that time we connect with so much and why it's so much harder to get into new genres of music as like an adult yeah wow oh totally i i totally relate to that i mean i can't relate to anything in the pop sphere like i don't i can't yeah. i can't believe it what's going on <laughs> but that's what my dad probably said about what i was listening to and all down the line. Yeah. When you were in high school, did you know what you wanted to do when you grew up? Like, did, did you have any sense of it or were you... I was always involved in theater and music and those are the two things that you could do, I think, as an yeah. adolescent. Like, the film wasn't a... Film and television wasn't... there. Were, the tools weren't really there to, to play with like they are now. Like, I mean, kids now, my daughter, like, just... She's nine years old and she just, like, made a movie on her iPad and... Wow. It's not very good, but, you know, <laughs> like we didn't have that at all. So I could get a band together. I could play a guitar. I could be in a play. You know, those were like, so I knew I wanted to be in some kind of, in the world of performing and making things and yeah, and doing that, being obnoxious for a living. Just to ask, like, do people like who you grew up with, 
are they not surprised at all that you ended up where you ended up? Was it sort of like, oh, we knew that Tim would kind of do something like this and be successful. You don't think I talk to the people I grew up with, do you? (laughs) No. Well, of course not. It it was, uh, yeah, I don't, it doesn't come up a lot, but yes, I think there's a natural like, yeah. oh yeah, this was always who you were in a way. Yeah, that's really, I did impressions of my teachers and stuff when I was in high school and stuff, but I wasn't really performing that much. And I remember when I got on SNL, one of my former teachers, they interviewed her on like the local news and she was like, I cannot believe it. <laughs> she, was like, <laughs> she was like, this is so wild. I can't oh. believe she's on Saturday Night Live. Like she was like, it was so- They should have, was, they should have very, canned that, that one. Know, they don't need to show that. She was very complimentary and nice about me, but she was like, she was like a really good student and I don't, I don't know. I don't see it. <laughs> That's funny. I was voted, uh, I was annoyed because I wasn't voted funniest in high school in the in the senior- yearbook but i did get most unique which now which is sort of like a back maybe a backhanded like compliment. Back compliment that is yeah. so funny and it's me and like the weirdest girl in school like the girl the total goth weirdo yeah you know <laughs> i got the same thing at our high school i got most radical oh nice that's right most radical <laughs> do you guys want to hear what i got sure vanessa sure yeah oh boy jonah knows where this is headed okay i got Best personality, whatever. <laughs> nice. Uh, most likely to succeed, best smile, and oh. most optimistic. Now, I and was you battling- remember all those. See, I wouldn't have, if I had multiple bests, I don't know if I would remember all of them. Yeah, well, easier. Yeah. I mean, best personality absolutely is a is a great one to get. <laughs> but, but also you have to, like most likely to succeed and most optimistic, like not to, you know, but I was, I had leukemia when I was in high school. So oh, I, these, these were really, you can kind of see how people were, were really rooting cheer, for they me. They were getting behind yeah. you. Yeah. 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 Nice. Good. Well, you had the. <laughs> That's but not no, fair. but I was like out there. I was like out there with a good. I don't think they were just. No, okay, I take back that. I. I mean, I'm glad I said that because Vanessa's I think it, had a pretty good personality still. That's yeah. what I'm trying. I don't think people yeah. were like, "Well, we should give her these." What do we give her these for? Right. <laughs> you know, we've talked about high school a lot on here. I had a very. We had a very supportive high school. They were very nice. But do you remember that I, kids in the hall sketch? The I think it might have only been in the movie, but the cancer boy that was Bruce McCullough. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh my what god! Was the pr- he was just like every day's a gift, you know. Like that was <laughs> yeah, his yeah, yeah, yeah. joke, and no yeah. one knew how to. And but he's like, but I might not make it till tomorrow, <laughs> you know. And everyone, no one knew how to behave around him. That right, was kind of right, the, right. The point, yeah. Of it, I think. Yeah. Well, I guess if you do know how to behave, you get best personality. Yeah. People know how to behave around you. I guess I made them comfortable. So, anyways, <laughs> we're going to take a quick commercial break, <laughs> and we'll be right back with Tim Heidecker. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. I'm Elliot Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. i never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for, for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Uh, thank God for the limits. Every time I have like one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a, in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. So, Tim, we asked you to come in with a topic today, and you gave us a lot of great ones to think on. And the one that we picked was a little show called <laughs> Little House on the Prairie. No. <laughs> We don't know. Part of the reason we wanted to talk to you about it is because we don't necessarily associate you with that show. Yeah. If that makes sense. <laughs> I was on it for 14 years. <laughs> wow. How dare you? It's my first IMDb credit. Wow. <laughs> I mean, first of all, I get the email about this topic business, which I'm, mm-hmm. you know, I got enough emails. I You're already pissed. Yeah. Yeah. And you first get homework now. I, I'm yeah. in like, yeah, now I got homework. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm on the tram coming back from Raging Waters the other day <laughs> with my kids. This is okay. when I decide to do the email re- reply. I have okay. a bad habit of like, like I don't have to reply to that email right there, but I'm like, ah, I got to do this now or I'm not going to do it. You know, Smart. I'm going to forget. And then so I did it and I just, I wanted to be true to this assignment, which was like a nostalgic thing from my high school years, whatever. I don't know if I said, I'm not really like a nostalgic guy. Like I don't care that much about I don't collect stuff and I don't, I'm not like a, one of those types, but um, the truth is like every day after school for a period of time, my sister and I would like turn on Little House in the Prairie. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, days back in the days when you didn't have much to, there was not a lot of right. options, but we just kind of got into it and kind of got like, kind of watched it as a joke but then kind of got into it like a soap opera you know Mm -hmm. and we loved the it was on this local channel so we always like and it always had the same four commercials i just heard recently a funny thing that apparently you know they're based on a series of books i don't know if you know that right yes right so the books were very popular i think in the 30s or 40s by laura ingalls wilder yes yeah and so what i found out recently is that Laura Ingalls Wilder's daughter was the one who kind of mostly wrote the books. And she was, not to get very political here, but she was a very big 
a libertarian type. Interesting. And she when she used those books to sort of push this idea of, you know, pull yourself up by the bootstraps and, you know, you got to do it yourself and that sort of idea that I think is probably more in the books than the show. But yeah, so it's sort of like a propaganda piece, the whole world she built, which of course is a very sanitized, very, you know, not a probably not a true reflection of how life was what life was like on the prairie or, and you know the for frontiersmen those of us who haven't seen so what is like their day to day like what kind of would be some of the plots that would happen so they're on the prairie they're they're you know the the ingles family charles yeah. uh i didn't do any research co- leading up to this i'm i'm pretty Perfect. sure we a lot did of a this, little no. we did a little but just well from pretty your sure a lot of this will come back to me just th- through osmosis or through whatever Uh, It's in my DNA now. So it was sort of the show was through her eyes, Laura Ingalls Wilder. It was sort of her growing up in this log cabin. It was on the outskirts of this town called Walnut Grove. The town had, you know, a shop, a mill, a church, and a school. That was kind of it. And I'm sure it's where I'm in. I don't know if you guys are in. You're in LA, right? I'm sure it's like one of these, um, you know, Warner Brothers or Disney like ranch lots, like one of these Western lots where it was all built for the show. And so the show would be about like, there are big episodes like they would get, I remember the father and his friend got trapped in a mine. Whoa. There was a episode where their, their adopted son, Albert, got addicted to opium. Wow. But then there were just day-to-day stuff. There was argument. There was sort of a, always this like rivalry between the um, the Olsons who ran the mercantile. They ran the store. And okay. they were a little bit of a, a, a little better than everybody else. Okay. You know? okay. okay. And so they had to be put in their place every once in a while. Mary, the older daughter, eventually uh, went blind. Oh. But she met a lovely man named Alonzo who they became like the thing is this show is one of those shows that went on for so long that yeah. they grew up in front of our eyes like they started as like 9 and 11 and they were like married with kids by the time the show ended. Wow. It was one of those shows. Yeah. I have a funny story about the the finale of the show. Okay. Which is I believe true. Of course, impossible to say. If you look up the last episode of the show, or you watch the last episode of the show, the story is that somebody, a big outside firm, somebody bought the the town. They they bought the the, the land, and they were going to take over the town. And the town didn't care for this. Walnut Grove, the citizens got together and said, "We're going to." They can't take what's ours. And then mm-hmm. somebody said. Well, then they're not going to take what's ours. We're going to tear it all down. And they blew up the town. They set, like, and this show, by the way, like the the, the core of the show is sort of this wholesome, you know, not overtly Christian, <laughs> but there was sort of this Christian running, you know, do a, do a, like in the best sense, like right, do unto right. your neighbors as you would want them to do unto you kind of thing. Like, like really light, like not with a heavy hand, but that was sort of the ethos of the show. And it was like a very warm and sort of wholesome show. I mean, got to be one of the most wholesome shows. But here at the end of the sh- the run, <laughs> they decide to literally put dynamite and TNT in all the buildings. And you know why? Why? Because they had to tear down the set. <laughs> like, 
because in the world of the the producers and the crew and the world of like the people running the show, they thought, hey, we have to tear all this shit down. Let's write it into the show and like make it like worth our time to, or you know what I mean? Like we're going to yeah. have to tear this down. Let's write, let's write a story where the, this, stu- this stuff has to get torn down. So that that's why they did it, which is like the most cynical betrayal of the ethos of the show. Uh, and I, th- I loved, I, 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 geez, I hope that's true. That, it, is true. It. it is true. Yeah. It is true. Thank you. Because when you type in finale, the first thing that comes up is explosion. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I hope it's true that, that, that that's why they did it. Cause that would, that would, gotcha. you know, um, validate all, all that we hate about this town and this business. And Do you remember what they did once it exploded? Did they just like get in their little I think buggy they were, and get out of there? Yeah, they were, I would say they probably made their way to St. Louis or, you know, Minnesota, somewhere the biggest, it was all like this idea of like, you know, you're going to incorporate into the big city and the dreams of this small town are gone. I'm going to rewatch that. Ah, That seems like such a weird way to end it when it's like they could have just ended it in a more normal way and then blown up everything if they were going to do it anyway. I don't know. Might not have been able to write it off. I don't know. It maybe had to be filmed. Oh, right. It might have been a tax thing. Well, you're right. This industry. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that's it. I mean, that's all I got on that show. I think they're, (laughs) you know... What's his name? The 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 main guy uh, who played Charles Ingalls, uh, Michael Landon. Yeah, he was great. He was he was great at crying. That dude could cry so convincingly, and at the he was always crying on that show. A lot of him without his shirt on. If yeah. for the ladies, he was very well built, great hair. And then he was right. nice as he went on and did another show after that called. Uh, What's it called? The Heaven Show, uh, where he was a oh, an angel, right? And his best buddy on that show was also his best buddy on Little House in the Prairie. So you had this great, you know, you had this Landon universe. What was the name of that show? Come what on. was the name of that show, Olivia? Do we know something? Something Heaven, Highway to Heaven, Highway to Heaven. Thank you. Right. Do you remember any of the cameos on the show? Like there's a June and Johnny Cash cameo or like Jason, young Jason Bateman J- or Shannon I, Doherty. Yeah, I remember all, I, I didn't, it's the thing is for Jason, Jason uh, Bateman and Shannon Doherty, these were, I wouldn't call them cameos because this was like before they were right, 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 well known. Right, I guess these not like, cameos. A lot, but like Louis Gossett Jr., Ernie Hudson, like a lot of people were kind of made their way through the show. It sounds like over the. Yeah, it wasn't like the love boat or anything where you it was like that was a feature of the show finding like celebs yeah. dropping by because it would kind of take you out you know <laughs> right, take you right. Out the, that makes sense yeah <laughs> take yeah. you out of the the fact that you're in the 1800s but um <laughs> i don't remember johnny cash i'd I'll have to look that one up yeah i watched fun. it it's he plays a preacher him and june carter cash and they're he's oh. playing like a scam artist preacher guy oh like a snake oil guy yeah, yeah. that sounds like, yeah that sounds fun there was a the main characters were Aside from the family and the Olsons, there was the preacher, and then there was the doctor. The doctor, what was his name? Doc. I think they just called him Doc. I mean, I don't know what his full name was. Yeah, that's... <laughs> there, there are so many people in the main cast of this show. There's like 50 characters. Yeah. It was, wow. it was a... Well, I don't remember 50, but yeah, I mean, it was an hour. I, yeah. You know, it was a big, it was a big deal. It was a big deal. Now... <laughs> Speaking of big deals, do you remember, like, we're around that era, there were, like, of those late 80s, kind of early 90s shows, did you have any other fave? 
This seems like it was a show that wasn't necessarily like your favorite show, but it was no. on every day after school and you watch it kind of ironically, which Jonah yeah. and I would do that after school too. There was a lot of repeats of like um, love connection and stuff that yeah. we would just watch because they were sort of funny. Well, there was a lot. I mean, I probably all I did was watch TV. I can't like, I have a song on my new record called What Did We Do With Our Time? And it was basically this idea of like, what did we do when we didn't have phones and jobs and you know, all these commitments that we have now and the internet, I didn't really have the internet. So it was like, yeah, you watch TV, you went to the mall, yeah, you yeah. hung out, you went to movies, you like drank beer in the woods. I did that quite a bit <laughs> okay. and listened to music, like actually just sat and listened, listened to music was, was a big part of my life. I mean, shows for me, Nick at Night was big. I would watch a lot of Nick at Night, like yeah. SCTV, Fernwood Tonight. Those are the big ones. I don't remember. There must have been other shows that I kind of would have to watch to get to those shows. Yeah. Uh, Saturday Night Live, I would make sure. I mean, my parents would tell you, they'd be like, at a certain point, that was my obsession. And I would, you know, my Sunday mornings would be me telling them what, like the, describing Hans and Franz or right, you know, right, whatever. right, right. Yeah. Yeah. And then taping it and watching it with them and show like finding the good sketches and stuff. Yeah, that was those are the big ones, the Simpsons. I mean, what's crazy is my son and daughter, my son is 6 and my daughter's 9 and they watch the Simpsons now. Yeah. And I was like I was watching this, you know, I watched the Simpsons when I was literally your age, like 9 years old. Yeah. So, that was always in my life. You know, whatever was I mean, I would just watch like Family Ties. And I'd be like, why am I like, I, I, it's like, I couldn't tell you why it was just on. You it just was limited. It. it was really, cause we were, Jonah and I were talking about when we were talking about shows from this era, like one that came to both Jonah and I's minds immediately was Empty Nest. Yeah. And that oh, was. Oh, I have a great, there's a great joke from that show. <laughs> okay. That I always remembered. Okay. And I always loved cause it was on after Golden Girls. Yes. For a few years. Like, I yeah, don't think it lasted as long as Golden years. Yeah. Golden Girls. Yep. And there but, was some crossover. There's a crossover episode. I'm sure. And there was a, there was the, the guy that did Joe Azuzu was a cast member on that. I don't know if you remember Joe Azuzu. He was, is he their neighbor? Yeah. He was just like a obnoxious, swarmy, sort of yeah, leathery guy. Yeah. And he, he was, was f- uh, we all knew him because he did oh, this yes. ad campaign. He yes. was a character named Joe Azuzu, like the Azuzu car. I don't, I don't even know if they make Azuzus anymore. Do they make Azuzu? I feel weird saying the word Azuzu. I don't think so, but I remember that it's name. A Japanese car, or yeah. Korean car. But he was Joe Azuzu, and he was like a like yep. a used car salesman, or whatever. But then he got on this show, and it was exciting because I was like a fan of Joe Azuzu. <laughs> yeah. And he was on. He was like, oh, he's on TV. That that's the guy. And he had this joke, or they had a joke that was he got a, a personalized license plate. And he was into boating. That was part of his character. He was like really into sailing or something. Right. So he got his personalized license plate was Sea Lover, but it was spelled C-L-O-V-E-R. And it was green and it just looked like the word clover. Okay. Okay. So his license plate just said clover and nobody under, nobody, he was like, no, it's Sea Lover. I love going, you know, and like, it's clover, dude. Like, and that, I don't know, that's, that's like very fundamental humor to me that joke you know it's just That's, like word it's like wordplay it's like it's also this idea of like how embarrassing it is to like you've you're proud of something and then everyone sees it differently yeah and you know um yeah i just that there's you know i don't remember a lot of stuff i but there's like annoying things i'll never ever forget <laughs> like that joke 
That I remember. So the premise of Empty Nest, right, was he's a doctor. See, you know, I have no idea. I think you can he's t- a widower doctor, I think. And he has two daughters. Yeah. And they're like main characters on it. But what was interesting about that show was once in a while, I'm sure, I wonder if it happened more than once. It probably did. The Golden Girls would go see him as oh. their doctor, like some of those characters. And then also remember that show Nurses? It wasn't as long lived, no. but it was, there was a sitcom called Nurses that Lonnie Anderson was on. Okay. And that came on after, I think, Empty Nest for a minute or was on in the same lineup. And it was at the hospital where he worked, the Empty Nest, oh, you know, wow. doctor. So they, I wonder they if it's all of, the same creator. Yeah, yeah. Got, like, Maybe. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Is what that about guy? that show, um, It's a Living? Do you remember the, right, do you remember the sh- Yeah. Um, sorry, do you remember the ahead. show It's a Living? No. Kind of. Wait, I have... what. It's a Living was, was this like, uh, it was like a restaurant comedy uh, set at the top of like a fancy hotel. And it was one of those shows where I would be curious to find out. I don't think it was ever on a network. I think it was like a syndicated sitcom. Interesting. Like it was never on one of the major networks. It was like, it's a Living. And there was some main, it was, it was like three women. It was like Alice, but it, it was set like in a, they, they took Alice and said, let's put it in like a spinning restaurant at the top of a, a fancy, you know, like a high rise. Wow. We watched that. We watched that. They had like a swarmy, there was always a swarmy guy in these shows. Yeah. yeah. You had yeah. the maintenance guy on um, one day at a time. Okay. So you had Schneider, he was like the, just kind of, you know, he had like a oily rag in his back pocket and kind of gruff, but he had a heart of gold. He's like the Kramer. Like there's always a like all these shows yeah, have a Kramer. Right, right. So it was Suzu was a Kramer on the It's a Living. The piano player was the Kramer. He was kind of the, you know, a dope who was funny and didn't have to care about him. Yeah, lot, yeah. I mean that stuff was just on all the time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All those shows. It's interesting, Tim, because you. You're talking about kind of watching stuff to get to other stuff. Now people obviously have so many choices, but like there's a show that used to come on Mama's Family. I used to cry when it came on, yeah, because I was not a fan. <laughs> I had nothing else to watch, and I would just cry. And then, I, but I would still watch <laughs> it and I wait for the next show because yeah. it's like, what else am I going to do? Yeah, I would. I don't. I think I liked Mama's Family. Now the boob on that show was Tim Conway. I think that was a good boob. That was the a good, thing that's crazy is it was such a good cast. And yet I had the same reaction as Joan. I don't know that I would start crying, but <laughs> I do remember it would come on like reruns of it. And I would yeah. change the channel before it could like start. Like I would be like, I got to yeah. change the channel. Like I just, I think there was something about, honestly, I think it was like the theme song and it was like the yeah. coloring of like the way that it was like, really like muted pastel colors and stuff. It just yeah. seems so like depressing to me that I couldn't, whereas like there are some really incredible comedians and stuff in sure. it, but I just, I had it was to very change broad. the channel. You know, everyone was doing these kind of acts, yeah. you know, it's like yeah. hee-haw. Like I saw, I took one look at hee-haw and it was like, no, I don't want, this is terrible. This yeah. Is, no, thank you. Yeah. So yeah, it felt like an out, outcropping of, and, that, and then it was like yeah. confusing. It was like, is this Carol Burnett? Right. No, it's, what, what do you mean it's yeah. not? Seems like it's Carol Burnett. Why isn't it Carol Burnett? And it's her best friend, right? Vicky yeah. Lawrence is that she was like they were, she's best friends with Carol yeah, Burnett. Yeah, like just and just I feel like get Carol Carol Burnett to do it. <laughs> I feel like Carol Burnett would come on the show sometimes, and it would be confusing. Yeah, I agree. Because you'd be like, is she what? Because also, yeah, they were really similar. You're absolutely I feel right. Like Mama's Family was another one that wasn't on regular television. Come on, <laughs> that was not on not that was not a network no. show, but maybe it was. 
And then, because a lot of these we only saw in, in syndication. Like, That's we never true. saw them. That's true. And it's funny because now kids have shows that are so many shows that are like tailored to them. Yeah. Whereas we had sort of cartoons and stuff. And I guess later on we had Saved by the Bell and stuff like that. But really it was just like you would watch Empty Nest because that's kind of what was <laughs> <Yeah>. on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's right. And, you know, the Golden Girls. So, wow. Yeah, and then like good stuff did rise to the top and you were like, oh, this is actually really good. I mean, I yes. guess like Seinfeld would be an example of that. We were like... Oh, actually, this is actually a humor that, like, I'm actually laughing at this. Like, but you would never laugh at, like, Mr. Belvedere. Right. Like, right, just, right. Like, Mr. Belvedere was just on, and you kind of watched it just to fill the, the the half hour. He seemed fun. Yeah. And, you know, we were really young when this was on, but Silver Spoons. Yeah. And then I remember when that guy got on NYPD Blue, it was mm -hmm. like, Whoa, Rick, Rick. Rick, Rick Schroeder. Schroeder. It was sort of like I don't know what he did between those two shows. I, I you know, I was a kid. I wasn't. Really I think he got very conservative. Career. I think he got very conservative. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. And then he got on NYPD Blue, and he was not on for a long time. I feel like he was kind of the middle guy. It was what's his name with red hair? David. Yeah. It was Caruso. Uh, David Caruso. David Caruso and Jimmy Smits. And I feel like Ricky, Ricky, well, I guess he goes probably by Rick now as an adult, mm -hmm. little Ricky Schroeder. You can call him Ricky. Sorry, I hope you, a little Ricky Schroeder. He was just on there for a minute, but it was weird being like, this guy's going from setting up his little train set. Yeah. No, I mean, so it's you hard know? to adjust. It's hard to um, make that transition from like kid actor to real man. Yeah. And it's hard to hear that he's turned very conservative. But Very conservative as far as I know. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, I think we're going to take another commercial break. <laughs> we'll be right back with Tim Heidecker. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your host of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old. <laughs> oh, yeah. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed and to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. I'm Elia Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes 
I guess identify the life that I want and and work towards it. I never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true, and I'm not offended by that. Thank you for for going through those things, and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for the limits. Every time I have one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So, Tim, now we're going to play a show. Uh, excuse me. Now we're going to play a show. Okay. <laughs> what am I talking about? Okay. Who am I? Ricky. <laughs> doesn't work. We're going to play a game called Change.Dork. <laughs> Change.Dork. Otherwise known as Let's Make Fun of People Who Don't Know How to Use Change.Org. And in this game, oh. we're going to bring up three different nostalgic things or nostalgic adjacent things that people are trying to bring back on Change.Org. And oh, boy. At the end of this, we you know you don't have to actually go on the site and vote, but we will say which one we would vote for if we had to vote for one of these three. The first petition is called Sell Real Life Wonka Bars with the Same Candy Wrappers from the 1971 film Willy Wonka. And this person says, I won't read the whole thing, but as a fan of the classic 1971 movie Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, I was thrilled at the age of five when Nestle and Wonka worked together to release real life Wonka chocolate bars. I remember eating one. It tasted as rich and delicious as I had expected. And it was a dream come true. Never did I think I'd get to try an actual Wonka bar, blah, 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 blah. Later on, due to low sales, Wonka discontinued their chocolate bars and I never got to try another one. Now I'm making a petition to bring back Wonka bars with the original orange, pink, and brown candy wrappers, along with the yellow top hat of the W in Wonka and the word bar (laughs) highlighted in yellow. Okay, this person's being very specific. This would bring out the child in a lot of us and would make so many people happy. It would also be nice if they could release an original Wonka scrum diddlyumptious bar, fudge mellow, an edible everlasting gobstopper with the original colors and shape, <laughs> and maybe even Wonka bars exactly the same as the one in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, parentheses, 2005. But my very top priorities right now <laughs> is the original Wonka bar and the scrum diddlyumptious bar. Now, <laughs> Can I jump in on please. this or do you want to read please. the rest? Jump of in. Please. I was all for it. I don't care. It's like, sure, why not? And then now I'm like, no. <laughs> this person should have no satisfaction from this effort. I don't want to see any happiness come his way. Yeah. Yeah. It's a man, right? It was started. It, has it to actually be. doesn't say, oh, yeah. It's a Women Michael. Don't care about this. <laughs> Michael, and it's gotten 22 signatures, and uh. he, he made this petition out to Nestle. Uh huh. They're yeah, busy okay. raping the world of water. Meanwhile, raping the world of water—that doesn't make any sense. You know what I mean? They're terrible. They're right. terrible. We companies. got it. We got it. Yeah. No, I don't. I mean, what a thing to give a shit about. <laughs> well, to your point, I at the beginning was like, "Oh, that's fun," and then this person sort of starts by saying they want the original Wonka bar, and then they kind of start saying all the other, and then they start saying how specifically they want it yeah. to look like the original one, and then they say. 
actually, I also want this scrum diddly bar. And then they're like, actually, it would be great to get these other <laughs> yeah. bars too. But now I'm coming back. I want the Wonka bar and the scrum. Like there, it's 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 hard. I think for these people to sometimes these petition writers to organize their thoughts, and that's yes, what really that gets needs them. an edit. It definitely needs yeah. an edit. And like, let's take one thing at a time. Yeah. Let's, let's get one win and and take it from there. If that's good, then we can try for the scrum diddly umptious. <laughs> yeah. See where this goes. Yeah, I agree with both of you. I think you if you, if you did bring back the Wonka bar, this person's not going to be happy. They're going to be like, well, what about this? What about this? It's like the world can't just be recreating your favorite movie. We got other stuff going on. Yeah, so. yeah. And also, if the they stop making them because the sales dipped, it's going to be, I think it's going to be tough to get it going again unless we do a reboot of the yeah, Charlie and the Chocolate CEOs Factory CEOs are just movies. looking at the bottom line. Okay. 100%. Another thing that's funny about this podcast is that Jonah burns so many CEOs and companies that I'll never be able to do a commercial again. <laughs> Oh, no. <laughs> These are just my opinions, not Vanessa's. Those top-line <laughs> no. people aren't listening to any That's podcast. true. That's, That's right. true. That's right. All right. Our next petition is called Free the Vending Machines from Their Mandatory Lock. This is from a high school. Hello, people of Niles North High School. Recently, there has been a curfew set on the vending machines near the lunchroom. This is a cruel injustice to those who learn here. Some of us do not even get a lunch period, meaning these vending machines allow a method of nutrition that's quick and convenient. Not to mention many students do not have a water bottle, meaning hydration is null, especially those coming from gym and or other physical activities. We the people demand our right to a non-timed vending machine back. Posters will be put up in the following weeks to better advertise our petition. Tim, what do you think about taking the locks off the vending machines? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Power to the people there. I'm all for that. I don't know the particulars what caused the lockdown originally. Right. If people are abusing it, they're eating... Snickers bars and lab or whatever. Right. And uh, so, yes, you know, of course, I, I don't have all the information to make a full judgment call on this, but it seems like a no-brainer. Keep it open and, you know, and if you've got policies about food in class, then make sure that that's also being respected. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Vanessa, what do you think? Yeah, I would agree. I think that sometimes when schools do stuff like that, and I, I just want to say this, I just looked it up. This petition has 204 signatures. So it's doing wow. it's doing pretty well. Yeah. I mean, if that's for locally, just for that one locally, issue, it's exactly. like yeah. very well. I do think schools, sometimes they make rules like this that are so unnecessary. And the way that this kid is coming off is a little bit sarcastic. And I always get a little annoyed by right. the, yeah, the, the we, we the, the people, people. Yeah. and the water hydration is null. You know, uh, but look, this is... Yeah. This is a concerned citizen, you know, it might be a teenager, but has a real concern. And I think sometimes high schools do do stuff like that, where it's like, you know, someone after school, they're hungry, they want to get a snack, they're growing teenager, and they can't because like the locks, it, it's t timed out. You know, I support this person. Yep. And I think this is, this is the kind of thing that they should be doing at this age, like make a petition and yeah. Totally. Jonah, what do you think? Yeah, I'm with both of you. I think this is a no-brainer, exactly like Tim said. You got the vending machines. That's what they're there for. Let, let the kids use them. Okay. Now, Jonah, I don't know if you want to read this last one because it seems... Yeah, I'll read this last one. It's very long and we can keep it brief. Ask Metallica to be the musical last for the halftime of Super Bowl 55. This person loves Metallica. They've broken down many walls in heavy metal. Their songs are anthems in NFL and major sports stadiums across the country. They've won Grammys. They've sold 150 million records, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, there's nothing they haven't done or accomplished, which is why with zero trepidation, I make the bold statement that is absolutely stupefying that these American pioneers of rock cannot been involved with the Super Bowl halftime to date. It's time for that to change. 
And then this person goes on to, you know, the sugar pop and candy artists need to step aside in favor of real American metal. Mm. They play mm-hmm. instruments, <laughs> um, you know, <laughs> that kind of stuff. Blah, yeah. blah, blah. Tim, what do you think about Metallica playing the halftime show? I mean, sure. Who gives a shit? <laughs> I mean, yeah, well, they seem right on brand. Yeah. Like, I'm not a big fan, but I, I respect them. I think that they would put probably put on a great show. It would be full of pyrotechnics and, sure. you know, crazy stagecraft and all sorts of stuff. So it's a perfectly benign and innocuous uh, request. It's They can always say no. And, you know, I'm sure it, it could... It's not without... Uh, yeah, sure. I mean, it's a re- reasonable thing to throw into the, the discourse. Well, let me ask you this. And this is something that I feel comes up with the halftime show every year is people... The artists say they're not getting paid for it. And then everyone says, well, it's great exposure. What do you think about... What do you think about that? If you got offered to play, but not get paid. Uh, well, yeah. I've heard the same thing that you actually pay to do okay. it. Whoa. I've heard that. I've heard it as, as much as that. It goes even the other way. And that it, it, yes, it raises your ticket sales and record sales and profile and all this stuff. And I mean, it's the way the system is. It's got to be working for that. Sure. I mean, it's just got to be. If somebody like, who was the last yeah. one? Rihanna, was that who was the last one? It's got to be working for them, for them to do it. They don't need to do right, it. Right, right. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. It's just a thing I don't really care about. Mm-hmm. So, sure. I'm I'm doing as much, I'm doing a lot of work to, to gin up yeah. an opinion on it. <laughs> we appreciate we <laughs> that. <laughs> but I think the guy, you, I would love to see Bob Dylan do the halftime. That's the one guy who I think would be... Um, very, it would be so strange. You just try to picture that. It just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, like it would be very odd. And but yet, Paul McCartney's done it. The Rolling Stones have done it. He's in that mm-hmm. same era and as and almost as you know as as big or as respected. But to think of him doing it would be, it just wouldn't work. Yeah, I could. Yeah. don't tell our mom that I agree. or Aunt Marilyn. <laughs> yeah. But Metallica absolutely seems yeah. totally on brand. You know, it's, what you, it is really funny when you say that because, it, yeah, you do hear this about not getting paid and it's like, I'm sure Rihanna's like financial team knows what's worth it for her <laughs> yeah, to yeah, do yeah. and not do more than exactly. some guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Rihanna's not like, do I do it? What do you, oh, I don't know if I want the money or not. <laughs> yeah. Now, yeah. Jonah, what do you think about Metallica playing that? Yeah, kind of similar to Tim, I think, sure. Like I would probably watch clips of it a few days later, maybe if I saw it somewhere. Well, you're a you're a Metallica fan, though. During my formative years, I was I was a bit of a Metallica yeah. head, but I haven't really kept up as much on the yeah on the. Their new album is I did I listened to it once, and it's surprisingly like they went back to their like thrash roots. Okay, okay, and it's like really it's kind of fun. It's like I play it for my kids because it's like listen to this. It's like yeah. you know, it's like crazy. Okay, and it's not my kind of music that I like to listen to, but it's like kind of cool and impressive that they can do that yeah that anybody could do that my favorite thing they've done it was a documentary the some kind of monster thing where they- oh god yeah that's one of the greatest things yeah ever. so i gotta keep watching it i started it yeah oh it gets better and better yeah so so yeah so i'm gonna say yeah sure but yeah vanessa what are your thoughts on this one okay i think johnny you probably know where i'm gonna land on this which is that it's a no for me okay um because okay i look i like some kind of monster i'm interested in these we recently rewatched the Unforgiven video and I was so mad at how dark it was that, mm. um, and I just, now I don't know their new album. Maybe, so I shouldn't say it's a no for me because maybe their new album is a lot more fun, but like, you won't like maybe, it, Vanessa. Okay. Cause 
And enter Sandman. To me, I'm saying enter (laughs) Sandman. I could see that playing, okay, in the halftime show. But you're not going to play Unforgiven or else everybody's going to, including the football players, are going to all cry and want to go home, okay? Right, yeah. There's like a lot of those songs I'm like, I don't really want to hear this. It's not going to pump me up. It's more going to make me be like... Well, I guess I have give to... Give me fuel, give me fire, give me that song. That would be <laughs> yeah, good. Yeah, that song I get. I just, it's like a lot of like um, scariness and anger. And I, yeah, that's angst. not what I want in my halftime right. show. I don't care if it's rock. Like, I don't mind that. I, you know, a, a rock and roll band, great. A lot of fun. But if it's a band that's like, uh, you know, like, never yeah, that's see. That's, that, I didn't consider that. I okay. think that's fair. I think it's a fair... <laughs> thing to ask if you're a fan of metallica i think it's a i think maybe i'm not gung-ho about them playing but it i i I err on like yeah sure ask but i I hear what you're saying i kind of think like maybe do a big metal like i don't mind if you want to have a have metallica play at some kind of other prestigious event or venue but i just think the halftime show is sort of supposed to get people in like an up mood and i just don't I don't see Metallica. Yeah, a lot of minor chords. A lot of yeah. minor chords yeah. in the Metallica Ovra. Yeah. A lot of um, darkness and scariness. And that's, you know, as someone who watches primarily for the commercials and the fun of that, I, you know, that's not what I would, I, this is a no for me. Okay. Fair enough. If you had to sign one of these petitions, Tim, and I'm going to oh, remind you of what they're... The second okay. I know what they're. Okay. Right the second Wonka one, bars, the... vending machines, yeah, or... The vending Metallica, machines. vending machines. Jonah, oh, oh, yeah. what... Are, I'd want to, like, chat to the... Maybe the principal quickly, but... Yeah, and see see what why it was timed the real in the deal, f- yeah. first place. But yeah, I'd want to have that chat, too. Jonah, what about you? Yeah, also vending machines. But yeah, I'd like to know that... I feel like we're only getting one side of the story. I feel like they right. wouldn't arbitrarily make this rule. So I'd like to know more. But based on what the information we have, I'm going with that one. What about you, Vanessa? Same, same. I'd love, again, like Tim said, I and like you said, Jonah, I'd love to have a quick, a quick little chat with the principal, kind of see where we're at um, from his perspective or her perspective, <laughs> or, you know, but... I yeah. uh, overall vending machines. Great, we're we're really unified. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> really. Now, Tim, we know you're doing a lot of stuff right now. Like, what are some things? That, anything you can promote? Anything that that's coming up for you? Yeah. Well, I'm on tour this summer, starting uh, end of July, with my two Tims extravaganza. It's my um, stand-up persona, who's a not a very good stand-up comedian. Okay. I don't know <laughs> yes. if you've seen it. If you that's, check out yes. an evening with Tim Heidecker on YouTube, you get a taste. And then my band, uh, that me uh, and the very good band, and we play a, a range of music from my records, and it's a lot of fun. And we did it last summer, and we had so much fun that we are doing it again. Great. And uh, you can listen to uh, Office Hours or watch Office Hours live on YouTube or, or all the podcasts um, that you subscribe, that you use, the podcast apps, as they say. Right. Yep. And uh, we've had a great run recently. We've had Mark Marin on. We had uh, Steve Gutenberg. Speaking of nostalgia. Wow, Steve Gutenberg. We've had a lot of good, fun people come in. We just chat. We, it's live, so we take calls and we take, it's like, you know, kind of a morning show vibe. And it's a lot of fun. Great. Amazing. Great. Incredible. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Tim, and to everyone for listening. If you enjoyed that, please subscribe to the podcast and keep an eye out for next week's episode of How Did We Get Weird? Where we will discuss more stories from our childhood and cultural touchstones like Little House on the Prairie. Thanks, Tim. Thank you so much, Tim. Thank you.
something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side.